Welcome to the interview show. I'm Scott Wood, your host. I am at the Vancouver International Film Festival, and I'm on my way right now to see a film. In a moment, I'm going to talk with some of the people behind the Sharkwater Extinction documentary. But first, I'm going to play some music for you. Something appropriate for the theme of the show. I'm going to play Shark Attack by a band called Good Love. See you right after the song. In a sea of people, and that's just how I leave it. Yeah, I met somebody in a sea of people, and that's just what I believe in. Yeah, we laughed and lied on Wednesday night. We ran across the interstate and drank a bottle of vinegar, and then we stayed up really late. Break me down, break it down in that hot, hot desert. This is where I want to be. Break me down, break it down in that.
Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. I am in the lobby of the Sheraton Wall Center with two of the people behind the new film, Sharkwater Extinction. So I'd love you guys to introduce yourself and your connection to the film. My name is Brock Cahill. Uh, I'm one of the dudes that's in the movie with Rob. Uh, we were longtime friends and activists together, brothers in arms, I like to call us. And um, thanks for inviting us here today. We're glad to talk to you. My name is Julie Anderson. Um, I've been working with Rob for 11 years, and my role on the film is to bring the action-oriented component to it. So once you see it and you're all charged up about it, what do you do? And that's really what Rob and I used to do together. So the story behind this film is that it's a sequel to a well-received documentary that came out in 2006 called Sharkwater. This is sort of a sequel. Unfortunately, the man behind the films passed away while making this film. So would you guys like to tell me a little bit about that? Well, yeah, as you mentioned, Sharkwater was a really amazing and awesome documentary that kind of changed the way that documentary filmmaking was done. Rob was a pioneer and a visionary in the field in that he really liked to dive in, <laughs> pun intended, to get boots on the ground and make sure that he was participating in the challenges that face sharks and, of course, the solutions which will ensure their survival. So... Ten years later, you know, he took a look at the shark problem, and whilst shark water had a tremendous amount of impact in helping to change finning laws and other pr practices around the world, he noticed that twice the number of sharks were being taken out of our oceans at this point. At that time, there was about 80 million sharks being pulled out of the sea, and at this point, we're estimating somewhere around 150 million sharks. So that's a drastic increase, even with all the awareness and with all the good things that were happening. So he wanted to know what was going on. So we head back out into the field, and we start to check it out, and that's where this film takes off. Right. I mean, it really is more like a real-life action-adventure story. You know, here's this young Indiana Jones that's fighting for something he's passionate about. And Sharkwater was really about shark finning, which is the act of actually cutting a fin off a shark and then throwing it back alive, which is gruesome and horrible. And definitely he made a huge change in that. But one day we went undercover into a port in Japan. And on that day at a tuna fishery, 7,000 sharks were unloaded. 7,000. It was a massive amount of sharks. And as we were filming and trying to understand what was going on, we saw most of these sharks weren't being finned. Instead, the salmon sharks got their livers cut out, and the mako sharks were getting cut up for food. And then they loaded the blue sharks onto a um, truck and took it away, actually several trucks for 7,000 sharks. And we followed it, and it went to a pet food uh, plant and also a fertilizer plant. So therein lied a huge mystery and kind of where Rob went with shark water extinction, which is shark is ending up in products that are in our own homes as well. Okay, you guys jumped right into it. I wanted to dive into the subject matter a little more slowly. So I was going to start with a simple question like, sharks for most people are the personification of their fears of the water and what's hidden under the depths. I wanted to start with, what is your relationship to sharks? Right. I mean, we both have very special relationships to sharks, and those are relationships that we shared with Rob as well. I mean, he was amazing underwater with sharks. He was one part shark whisperer and one part Aquaman, and watching him underwater was incredible. But for me, I didn't grow up loving sharks. I mean, if you've read Save the Humans or seen Shark Water, you know that Rob loved sharks always since he was a kid. For me, I was terrified of sharks. I didn't ever want to meet a shark, and though I loved the water, I just thought, oh my gosh. And then I met a shark and had the most amazing moment, and really 
realized that here was this animal that I was taught all my life to fear and it didn't want to hurt me. It obviously was more afraid of me than I was of it and everything shifted for me. And I think I've seen so many different moments of that with other people as well. It's just amazing being underwater with sharks. The thing that is the most interesting to me is, is the fact that they have unique personalities, they have cognitive abilities, social structures, so they definitely aren't those mindless monsters that we all think they are. Yeah, they're magical beasts, and I was more along the lines of Robbie and growing up in landlocked Colorado, sharks were just these incredible dinosaurs or dragons or the mythical creatures that I had never had a chance to experience. So I was really interested in them, but didn't have a chance to meet one until much later in life. And then once in the water, my perception even and fascination grew. It was an incredible experience. At first, you know, I don't know if I can tell you this, but you know, I kind of shit my pants a little bit. But then after that happened, I was able to clear the detritus out of the way and connect with this animal that was incredible. And they have these extrasensory perception kind of uh, attributes to them. One sense runs along the side of their body in a, in a, a lateral line where they can sense differences in pressure and temperature and electromagnetic pulse. And so the shark can feel you in the water and it can sense your energy and what you are putting out into the world. So if you're putting fear and like anxiety, the shark is going to react in the same sort of way. If you're putting out excitement, whoa, that's cool. Who are you? What are you doing? They kind of reciprocate that energy and they start to come and check you out a little bit. So those interactions kind of changed everything for me and uh, pushed us forward on this path to where we are today. So Sharkwater, the original film, was a very successful Canadian documentary. It was about it was a little more than a 10-year break before you guys put together the sequel. So I'd love you to talk about being Canadian filmmakers or involved in a project like this and gathering together funding and starting the second project. Yeah, well, Rob was kind of the, the man behind the wheel there in that he, you know, he was from Toronto and had had his uh, success with Sharkwater and with Revolution. So for him, it was... Before you go on, let's contextualize. What is Revolution? Okay, so Revolution was Rob's second film, and it was a different subject matter. Still had to do with sharks and with the oceans, but was dealing with a grander um, subject matter in that how are humans going to survive the next hundred years? Because as he was traveling and taking shark water out on the road, there's a particular scene in Revolution, actually, where I think it's in Hong Kong, a young lady asked him, so that's great that you want to save sharks and everything, but what does that matter if all fish stocks are going to be gone by 2048? And he was like, uh, I don't know how to answer that question. That's a good question. Let's dive into that a little deeper. And that's where revolution takes off. And he started to investigate human beings' impact on the planet and how we can change those impacts to live in harmony with nature once again and perhaps even survive. <laughs> so that's a, that's a good thing for us to probably be able to do. And after uh, his successes with those two films, um, Sharkwater is the number one documentary of all time in Canada, and Revolution is number three on the list. So kids had some pretty good wins. Um, so when it comes time to launch this film and put it out into the world, he you know, obviously had a lot of interest from folks, particularly here in Canada. Canada uh, really is proud of Rob and his achievements and, and hoists him up as one of their uh, favorite sons, and with good reason. And uh, as, as we started to talk about the potential of getting back into the subject of sharks and starting to examine the challenges that they're facing now, even after the successes of said films, it was a no-brainer. I was like, we have to do this. This amount of pressure on sharks 
is insane. There's no species that can survive 150 million of them being taken at one particular time period in a, in a year's span. So we just decided, okay, we got to do it. Let's go. Time is now. And he went out. He, he started meeting people, making contacts, and the Canadian Film Board and, and all the, the art kind of uh, subsidiaries thereof were, were very supportive and, and helped us to get this going. So, Brock, you worked in the film. What was the most challenging part of making it for you? Well, the most challenging part of making it was finishing it, you know. Obviously, with the curveball that we were thrown in about the midway section, um, making the film, and, the, and a lot of people ask, is diving with sharks the scariest thing that you guys do? Absolutely not. <laughs> that's not, you know, that's like, it's our favorite thing to do and one of the, the icings on the cake, so to speak. When they ask, you know, this kind of film, it's a thriller, and and what are the most dangerous moments and what are the the biggest challenges that you face? Well, the truth be told, we face those when we're dealing with human beings. And some of these ports, you know, down in in, uh, less than desirable circumstances, shall we say, people don't want us there. They don't want us shining a a light in, in their dark corners, and they don't want us putting a camera on what they're doing. Even if what they're doing is legal, they recognize the fact that sometimes it might not be seen as a good thing. So the, the challenges were to get into these somewhat risky situations, get out of them with our skin intact, and be able to engage with these people that had a differing point of view, and hopefully maybe even start to make headway in that direction. You know, but the greatest challenge of all was finishing the film after we lost our hero. That was a nightmare, and it was an excruciating process, as you can well imagine. Um, but um, I'm pleased to say, with the help of the team and everyone that stepped up and stepped in, that we were able to do so. And you know, here we are in Vancouver, a year and a half later, three years into the process, and we're going to launch what I consider to be a beautiful film and a a film that Rob would be proud of and a fitting tribute to him as well. Since I have you here, Julie, can you tell me a little bit about engaging people after seeing the films? Absolutely. So the screenings we've done have been amazing. And, you know, as Brock said, changing people's perspectives and really kind of changing their way of viewing a documentary film, right? I mean, no longer are there boring talking heads. I mean, Rob totally turned that upside down and made it an adventure film that people really got into. And they were charged up after Sharkwater and they wanted to do something. So after Sharkwater, we started Fin Free, which was a movement to stop um, the sale of shark fin. And that was super successful. $150 people live in a place where shark fins an illegal substance thanks to the movement fin free which was incredible so with shark free what we wanted to do is take that to a new level and make it about um basically taking shark out of your daily lives and I think that's the thing that people are most shocked about obviously the movie takes a a horrible turn losing Rob and and you know that's definitely covered in the movie but what people are walking away with from an audience perspective is is that they want to do something they want to honor this hero and they're incensed they can't believe that they've been fed this super predator so it's in our makeup it's in our pet food it's in our fertilizer it's literally in all these different aspects of our life deodorant sunscreens lotions it's absolutely incredible it's being fed to us you know if you eat imitation crab a lot of times there's shark in it if you order a fish patty from a fast food place there's shark in that as well so getting aware and then 
creating an engine that people can make change, that's what Shark Free is all about. And that ultimately was Rob's goal with this movie. You know, obviously he never meant to feature some of the traumatic incidents that are in the movie, but what he really wanted to do is educate people about this whole issue facing sharks. And he really believed that if humanity knew what was going on, we'd have a moral right um, to actually you know, work together to solve it. And Sharkwater proved that. And Rob really believed that the camera was our best tool as a conservationist. And I think you'll see with Sharkwater extinction, it absolutely is the case. So what's the most surprising thing in your everyday life that contains shark that shocked you as one of the people who is involved in making this film? You know, for me, as a conservationist, I've been really careful about what what I consume. And so there's actually two things that shock me the most. One is um, makeup. So lipsticks, sunscreen, lip balms, lotions, foundations, it's absolutely insane. All of these products contain squalene. And squalene can be um, plant-based or it can be animal-based. And the large majority of products actually include animal-based products. So for me, what was incredibly shocking was A, that this was in products that I owned, and B, that cosmetic companies don't have to label it and don't actually have to disclose it to consumers. And the other thing that shocked me quite a bit was the fact that there's 18 different English names for the word shark, you know, shark meat, that don't include the word shark. So um, rock salmon, flake, ocean whitefish, all of these things are shark being uh, mislabeled. And so there was a study two weeks ago, I think, um, in uh, Canada that was just released by Oceana. 44% of the fish that you order is actually mislabeled. So that's shocking to me. And the fact that we could be consuming a super predator is insane. I mean, I think consumers would want to know if they're smearing a super predator on their face, let alone eating a super predator, especially because they're toxic as well from a mercury standpoint. Guys, thank you very much for sitting down and spending some time with me today. When you see a scary movie where a shark is the antagonist, like the Meg, what are you guys thinking? Usually I'm just kind of laughing, you know, because it's so far off base and off kilter that, sure, you know, it, it's nice to have uh, these these demons. I'm, I'm usually rooting for the shark, unfortunately, but, you know, that's just the way it is. They're, they're the underdog, so to speak, in the modern world. And, uh, you know, I haven't seen the Meg, so I can't comment on what that movie is. But I do have to say that Jaws, as effective as it was in a negative sense, it was a pretty fantastic film. You know, but I, I was definitely rooting for the shark instead of the captain in that one. It's funny. I did a show on uh, Shark Week this year on the Meg, and also uh, talked to Entertainment Weekly about it. And it's funny to me because when I think about the Meg, right, and I watch that movie, I think, oh my gosh, people can't can't believe this, right? This like seriously. Then I realized we also live in a country in which Trump is president. So yes, people can believe certain things like that. Some awful, awful truths. Um, but, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I really hope that people remember that this is just entertainment and not real life. But I will tell you, one of the most common things people ask me as a shark conservationist is, oh, my gosh, are Megs still alive? I'm like, really? Oh, my gosh. You guys are lucky somewhat in that shark is one of those animals that all kids love, like dinosaurs. So if kids or adults want to get into, if they want to get into shark conservation, how can they get involved? 
it is super easy to get involved. And, you know, that was something that was really important to Rob, too. And on the sharkwater.com site, we have 10 easy ways that people can get involved. And, you know, obviously you don't have to do things like Brock and I did and change our entire lives in order to save sharks. And, and you certainly don't have to be the hero that Rob was. But I think one of the messages that Rob gives everyone is, is that we all can be a hero and we all can do little things in our lives to make the world a better place and hopefully save sharks and if not sharks something that you're passionate about so my advice would be to go to sharkwater.com there's 10 easy ways to save sharks take 20 minutes and do something about it and then we are starting shark free movements in all canadian cities as well so stay tuned on that as well Thanks, guys. The movie is Sharkwater Extinction. You're here premiering it with the Vancouver International Film Festival. Where can they see Sharkwater and Revolution if they're looking for them? So right now, Sharkwater and Revolution are not no longer on Netflix, so we've taken them down currently. We're hoping to um, put them back online shortly in conjunction with the release. So again, um, if you sign up at sharkwater.com, you'll get notices in terms of when um, we're going to be putting them back up. And we hope to be hosting a free screening of Sharkwater on Facebook. Facebook Live as well. Thank you very much for being on my show. Thanks, Scott. It was a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for interviewing us. We love getting that message out there. Hi, my name is Brock Cahill. I'm a cinematic activist with Team Sharkwater, and you're listening to the interview show. Oh, man. I don't even know. <laughs> I've got so many titles. Hi, my name is Julie Anderson, and I am the action engine behind Sharkwater Extinction, also a lot of media and PR. I've been working with Rob for 11 years, and I'm really excited to be talking to you on the interview show. Thanks, guys. I appreciate your time. Have a great premiere tonight. Thanks, Thank Scott. you. Cheers. Cheers. Have a good night. Thanks so much. Hey, this is Scott Wood. I'm the host of the interview show. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Brock and Julie from the documentary Sharkwater Extinction. Check out the film if you get a chance. It's an amazing story. I'm about to go in and see another film at the Vancouver International Film Festival, but I'll leave you with another song. This time I'm going to play Season of the Shark by Yo La Tingo. Thanks for listening.
scares you so Scares you so Just look around If it's not me, then someone else you know